we really feel like we've been serving a lot of the hospitality industry over over the last eight years and that that part has sort of really kept that kept that flame going um and knowing that we're serving a, a consistent and uh, reputable product that people love and appreciate. Today on Dirty Linen, we are going to celebrate the existence and somewhat lament the passing of Tuck Shop Takeaway. But I think it's a good news story, really. Although I have to say that eating my last Tuck Shop Takeaway minor burger, which is what the standard burgers called there, and triple fried chips or triple cooked chips a couple of weeks ago it was an incredibly poignant bittersweet and as always entirely delicious experience after nine and a half years of trade uh, clinton and karina serex closed their much loved caulfield uh, in a south of melbourne burger shop and today we are going to talk all about it with clinton clinton welcome to daddy linen thanks for having me danny I love Tuck Shop Takeaway. I love what you guys created there. And I'm also feel really happy for you that you've been able to close the business um, with, you know, future plans and, and a lot of positivity. Yeah, it was actually really nice to go out on a high and go out on, on our terms and be able to say goodbye to everyone and actually have them know that they're eating their last, uh, their last minor burger and their last, uh, handful of triple cooked chips from us. Yeah, it's pretty special. I can, it's my, my the vision of my last burger is actually swimming in front of my eyes as I'm speaking to you. But um, for people who weren't lucky enough to go to Tuck Shop or, or know much about it, just put us in the picture. What, what kind of business was it? So we, after Karun and I both being in really high-end fine dining for probably about 15 years each, uh, we opened our own little uh, spot just in Caulfield uh, that I discovered the, the location while I was working at Attica. We're living on the other side of the Caulfield race course and I used to drive past every day and generally get the red light at the intersection where Tuck Shop has been. Um, and it was a rundown takeaway shop uh, that was hardly ever open. The lights were never even on most of the time and there was one uh, day that went past and there was a full lease sign on the roof we couldn't uh, stop thinking about it during my whole shift and on the way back took a picture of the sign and rang the agent and the next day we were looking looking at the property and the rest all fell into place so we're um corinne and i just wanted to apply our same sort of standards to a little takeaway shop that had a dwelling upstairs. So when we opened, we had our 18-month-old Hendrix and our four-year-old Sasha, who are now nine and nine and thirteen, and we lived lived upstairs above the shop for the first two and a half years, and that was a godsend. Being able to to go up and be able to say goodnight to the kids and stuff like that, or holler up the stairs to, to Karina to come down and help us if there was that little moment of need. But essentially what we we had, we kept the menu really nice and simple. We just had a beef burger, veggie burger, three different jaffles, and cut triple chips. And then we made all our own uh, soft drinks and our own milkshake basis. So essentially everything on the menu was house-made by us from scratch except for the buns for the burgers. Yeah, really amazing. And I think that that commitment to quality and the handmade nature of the food really shone through. It's so interesting that you guys had these fine dining backgrounds and you wanted to parlay those that's those skills and um, that approach into a burger shop. But tell us a little bit more about what you and Karina had done before. So before, uh, directly before uh, opening here, I was on the floor at Attica for two years. Uh, before that, I was Boudamon for a year. Uh, both Karina and I worked for Heston in the UK as well. Karina was a pastry chef at the Fat Duck when it was number one restaurant in the world. She was there for a year and a half. And I was at uh, Heston's Gastro Pub also 
in Bray, just directly next door to the fat duck called the Heinz Head. Yeah. In, I mean, incredible CVs. Yeah. And throughout our travels, Corinna had done stages at uh, the French Laundry, uh, Charlie Trotters in, in Chicago, uh WD, uh, WD50, uh, with, uh, time with Sam Mason at his, uh, short-lived Taylor that was in New York. And then Karina then went back and did time with Sam Mason at Oddfellows Ice Cream, which has sort of led us to the, the direction that we've, we've been going in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's really amazing, Clinton. So, w- w- I mean, when you're standing, when you're working at Attica, you're on the floor there and it's that, um, yeah, extraordinary fine dining degustation experience. And, uh, I mean, what is it that makes you think, actually, let's do burgers? It just kind of happened naturally. We were wanting to do our own thing, whether that was going to be a little uh, dessert bar or we we were very close to opening a a dessert restaurant on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, I've been on and off the Sunshine Coast uh, for years. I did year 10, 11, and 12 in Noosa uh, after my mum moved to Coolum. And I actually met Karina at my dad's restaurant in Canberra uh, 21 years ago when I was uh, working on the floor for my dad. Karina was my dad's third-year apprentice in the kitchen. And, yeah, uh, so Karina's been dessert-focused for probably about 15 to 17 years. Uh, she, she was a fully qualified um, chef, but then turned her, turned her interest more to specialising in plated desserts uh, and working her way up, so obviously, as we touched on, uh, the fat duck and amazing stages and stuff throughout the throughout the world on our travels. Um, yeah, amazing. I didn't I didn't know that you're you're from a restaurant family that your dad had a restaurant as well. Yeah, so born and bred, been in the industry yeah my whole life from turning turning potatoes at the age of seven, standing on a milk crate in the kitchen for doing radish radish roses and and whatever. I, other small uh, small jobs in the kitchen, yeah. Wow. And so was it always going to be hospitality for you? I did try and get out, um, but it, the lure pulled me pulled me straight back in, yeah. And so can you just take us a little bit deeper into how you can apply the principles of fine dining to what you were doing at Tuck Shop Takeaway? Well, for us, it, like we never went on about it too much as far as, I know you're familiar very much so, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with our very simple menu board. It doesn't doesn't go on too much about um, the produce and stuff that we use and the and the techniques and stuff like that. But to us, it's completely a given that you're making stuff yourself. Like you don't you don't go out to have something that's a frozen product that's made by someone else just be reheated by someone and then sold to you as as their own. Um, of course, it possibly does have a space for convenience and low cost and stuff like that uh, for some people. But if you're going if you're going out to a restaurant or you're going out even for me to a takeaway shop, you you should be getting something that that's made and produced by them and people need to simplify a lot more. I know you'll go somewhere and they have 30, 40 menu items or stuff like that. And it's just purely not possible um, with the team and the resources that they have at their disposal to be making all of that themselves. But really everyone should just simplify, um, keep it simple and do what you do really well and you'll have enough you'll you'll develop a following and a loyal customer base from that it's that 
urge that people think that they need to not just do burgers, they need to do suvos, they need to have dim sims, they need to have potato cake, they have to have three different types of chips, that they have to have um, 15 different milkshakes and and whatever it may be. But for us, what we brought to it was that everything was house-made, including all the sauces, um, the meat was shake fresh every day and the meat coming from one of Melbourne's premier butchers being um, dairies from the Pran markets, um, which is the same the same butcher that Ben uses at Attica and a lot of the other high-end three-hatted, two-hatted restaurants. So, and we're using the, the same the same quality beef for our burgers. Um, we sourced all our potatoes directly um, from a fifth-generation potato farmer just outside of Ballarat, uh, known as the Spud Sisters. Um, we've been using Kerry for about eight years, and yeah, we hand cut every one of our chips. Um, they never, none of our chips ever saw a freezer, and they were done fresh every day. Yeah, it's so amazing. It just made, what just flashed into my mind was, didn't you do 180 kilos of chips on the last day? I did, yeah. So yeah. how many like bags or like that just seems like an extraordinary quantity of potatoes. Obviously things did, definitely the freight train uh, did get moving in the last the last two weeks especially. Um by all means, we weren't doing 100, 180 kilos of chips every day for the last eight years. Um, we did do 160 kilos, or I did 160 kilos every every day for the last uh, five days, and yeah, 180 on the last day. And on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the last few people that got their burgers uh, towards the end of the night, I didn't have any chips for them. And that was with 160 kilos, so starting completely fresh with no rollover into the into the following day. Um, so we do cut them the evening before um, and leave them soaking or covered in, in water, which starts stripping some of the starches out. Um, and then we start the, the cooking process the following morning. Uh, so to get through the 180 kilos, I was down at 5.30 in the morning uh, and the rest of the week I was down at 6 and finishing at about 1 a.m. So that's what it, that's what it took to get through the, the, final, the final week. So it was, yeah, averaging about 20, 20, 20-hour days, 18 to 20-hour days um, to, get us, to get us across the finish line, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean... How was that? It's just obviously so emotional to close a business and anyway and then to be working so incredibly hard. Like did you have time for feelings? No. <laughs> to be honest, I was, yeah, completely, completely and utterly numb and just going through, going through the motions. Hospitality is that industry where you've just, there's those moments where you've just got to knuckle down and get it done. There's no point complaining about it or, yeah, feeling sorry for yourself or whatever. You've just got to you go through the you go through the motions and, and you get it done. And as as stupid as it sounds, majority of those days I was running on three espressos, four espressos for the whole day. You're surrounded by food. That you don't even have a moment to take a bite yourself. Obviously, I was making sure that my staff were getting an adequate break and that they were having a burger and that they were sitting down and having half an hour to an hour um, to decompress and then come back and, and go again. Um, but, yeah, in those final, final two weeks especially, it was constant from 11 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Let's talk about some of the challenges over the years that you ran Tuck Shop. Um, you know, on your Instagram, you shared some of the 
some of the difficulties around, you know, some some of the feedback that you'd get, some of people misunderstanding the project to some extent. Tell us about some of the challenges. So, yeah, running your own business, especially of this size, um, has its challenges as well. So obviously, I've been very, very hands-on throughout the, the eight and a half, nine years that we've been open um, through wanting to be here and obviously wanting to maintain our quality and our consistency and stuff like that. And I do love that that customer interaction and we have so many amazing um, loyal and repeat repeat customers and that's what really, really kept us kept us going, especially me going, um, was those interactions with those customers that you had every single Friday night. Like there's a few that we had every Friday night pretty much for eight years solid. Um, to amazing regular customers that are coming a couple of times a week and driving from Bond Beach down uh, sort of Frankston, past Frankston Way. So they're doing a, a 40, 40 minute uh, trip each way to come a couple of times a week. Uh, we had, so that's the stuff that really, and just so amazing in watching your local community grow around you. Like what we can see from this corner as far as it's a, a very busy intersection, um, but the school kids getting off the off the trams or off the school buses and stuff like that and stopping and getting a bag of bag of chips and a Nutella milkshake in the afternoon and serving them the first time at the age of thirteen. The difference between a thirteen year old and a twenty two year old is a is a big difference to then seeing them coming back with girlfriends or partners or um We've watched them go through all of all of high school through uni, and then now off on their own own paths. Um, yeah, that, that's been a really rewarding rewarding part of it. Going into the challenges, um, so touching on where I was going, but I diverted uh, a little bit was the size of our business. When you're a husband and wife team with at the maximum, we had about five to six employees, um, two to three of them being full-timers, sort of in the in the early days and a few casuals. You just don't have the coverage um, for it's it's always falls back on on you. Um, you don't have a roster of twenty of twenty people or thirty people or forty people that you can. Um, you've constantly got coverage. So there were moments that we had to close the doors because we just didn't have enough staff to to operate for that day. Um, the Having to be here, um, and as I said, when we opened, my son was 18 months old, who's now uh, nine, uh, almost 10. I missed out. I missed out on a lot. We always said we'd be closed Sundays, and Sundays has always been our our family day that we spend just the four of us together, um, generally eating out or always based around food. Uh, I haven't been able. I haven't. I don't have a hobby. I don't have um, the ability to to go to a football game to go. And play golf to go and do do these these normal activities. Um, we have over time as well. Um, there's been a lot of negative uh, comments and sort of trolling and stuff like that. Which a lot of it was in the in the early days when we first opened. Uh, Karina managing our social media did cop. Uh, the brunt of those, but obviously we would sit down and discuss them and, and talk about them and bring us to tears a lot of nights and just after you've put absolutely everything into it, you've just done a 10, 12, 14-hour day and then you sit down at the end of the night and there's someone slagging you off on the internet. It, it really hurts. Um, 
So what are they slagging you off for? <laughs> from things like yeah. it's it's just like it's a it's a burger shop. Like what? Like what? A stupid a stupid things as well. Rude service, um, being having sold out, um, and then and missing out. Like we got trolled constantly about the the selling out and saying that we were going that we were celebrating or um, saying that uh, another celebrating post saying that we'd sold out. Where we were just using it as a means as communication. Um, obviously, uh, Instagram's changed over the years too, where it used to be time-based. It was a lot easier to, to share it then. Like if you'd sold out at 6.30 and someone went on, they would see it first where it went in reverse order that the latest post was at the top with now with algorithms and stuff, it can get lost, um, a lot more, but in the early days, it was a, an immediate way to to share that information that would get, yeah, would a burger's a, a finite resource? Why don't you just buy more product? Why don't you just make more? Why don't you just, why don't you go down to the shops and buy more, buy more meat? Because it's just like, yeah, we've run out. So let's just go down to Coles or Woolworths or whatever. And we'll just buy their mints off the shelf and, yeah. But legit, like, why doesn't the person complaining go and buy the mints off the shelf? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry to be laughing. I know it's just like, it's just so. I know, but dumb. all you can do is laugh. Like, yeah, yeah. To being heckled and heckled and heckled over shredding our lettuce. And the position, the position of the the building order of the burger that. You might notice that a lot of other burger places around, they'll put the meat directly on, on the on the bottom bun, um, and then they will build the tomato and stuff on the on the crown, which is the top of the bun, and then they'll flip it flip it onto the top. Where for us, we've always um, toasted our bun directly on the grill, which gives you a really nice um, crust. And it sort of seals off seals off the bun. We'll then build the lettuce, the tomato, the onions, the pickles, and then our tuck shop sauce. And then the bun will go. Uh, the patty will go on top of that with the cheese. And then we'll put egg and bacon on top, and then finish it with the crown and wrap it. For us, it gave us. It gives you that buffer between the bottom bun, especially with the amount of our tuck shop sauce that we put on. Like it's we're known as a a juicy, well-sourced uh, burger. Like you will often have the sauce dripping down, dripping down your hands or onto your plate. Um, it just gave you that protection, so you're not having a soggy, soggy bottom bun. But yeah, we got heckled over that. So sorry, I just have to interrupt to say that I cannot. D- I cannot stand you talking about the burger. It makes it sounds so delicious. I know how delicious it was, and I can't have one. Um, but also, like um, obviously, like there's so much care and thought that's gone into every aspect of it. I just, it just, it's just mind-boggling to me that someone would feel like that it was feel so entitled that they would. <laughs> complain about the way you're running your own business when like they can obviously go and get another burger somewhere else. Yeah. And that's the thing, you're not price as well. We got heckled over price for quite a while where we're still, or up until we closed, we're cheaper than a lot of the supposed gourmet burger chains that are out there. Like our burger up until we closed was $12.50 and that's, with the housemade housemade sauce, uh, 120 gram uh, patty uh, with three special cuts of uh, meat done, obviously by Gary's, as I touched on. Uh, yeah, hand hand cut lettuce, hand cut tomatoes, everything done by us. Nothing was um, bought in, and we're only yeah twelve dollars fifty, but we copped abuse over being too expensive um, for a while we actually had it that it was free range bacon um, on the menu 
was we're using uh, the Otway, Otway bacon, which on the packet says is free range or bread, bread free range. And we just got heckled and heckled and heckled saying, your bacon's not actually free range, it's bread free range and stuff like that to the point we just changed it to, ba to bacon. My, and that's the thing, when, you, when it's $1.50 or $2 to add bacon, we, we can't be using organic free range that's going to cost us more than $2 for, for the rush to put on. Then, yeah. But then if we use full organic free range bacon and charged a surcharge of $5 to add it, then we've got more abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then to the point, obviously we, we've all seen some of the, the stories after, after we announced the closure on Instagram uh, five weeks out. Karina and I sort of sat down. We're like, oh, each Sunday we might do a, a post just sharing um, some of the difficulties of running a small business from the small margins to the long hours to, to staffing issues to equipment breakdowns to throwing um, stock out. Like if you come in and the PowerPoint's been knocked out or a fridge has malfunctioned over the weekend and you come to a fridge that's sitting on 24 degrees and everything that's in it needs to get thrown out and you need to start again. Um, so even only a couple of months ago, we came in and the freezer um, in sweeping and mopping the uh, PowerPoint to the chest freezer that holds all of Karina's ice cream had been knocked out. And so for two and a half days, the freezer was actually off and we threw out, I think, uh, 58 one-litre tubs of ice cream. And that's not – it hurts even more when it's not your mandatory value of the product. It's not just a matter of placing another order and tomorrow you've got another 58 tubs back in the freezer that when you've made it completely from scratch um, yourself – it, it definitely hurts hurts a lot more yeah yeah it's heartbreaking um yeah because things you so you started sharing these posts um, yeah that's where I was going um yeah we started sharing these posts and then unfortunately got picked up by a couple of um, other news outlets um, in just putting together the uh, closing and then us talking about the difficulties of running a business and one of the first ones was the trolling and online reviews and stuff like that. It then got melded into news articles with ranging headlines of Melbourne institution closing um, due, due to abuse, um, constant abuse and stuff like that. So we went – we went worldwide uh, with articles even posted in Bahrain in the UK. Um, I even had um, some Chinese friends saying that we're being um, shared through uh, some of the Chinese uh, news news as well. Um, I had family in Switzerland contact me seeing, seeing articles over there. Uh, yeah. But, um, How did that make you guys feel? When you're already under the pump and you're already sort of in the process of the, the mint, we didn't, we didn't, as much as we wanted to bring light to these issues and in saying the news articles, but the amount of love that we received through social media emails, text messages, uh, voice messages on, on the tuck shop phone and stuff from other business owners and stuff, just thanking us so much for speaking out and sharing it and for them to know that they're not alone and that they have, uh, there are other people going through the same things felt, felt very good, but Obviously, then Karina and I were stressing at one point there when these uh, we became clickbait, um, essentially, and we're like, well, we don't want our legacy. 
or our people's memory to be that we're closing because of because of these this trolling when a lot of it was within the the first three years um it definitely did die definitely did die down and then there would be dribs and drabs of, of stuff come come through but obviously we've got a lot thicker skin than that but the sad thing was that we then started copying trolling and abuse saying how weak we are for not being able to cop the abuse and if yeah, we then started getting as stupid as it and horrible as it sounds. We then started copying, trolling, saying that we need to toughen up. You, yeah, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Well, you already are getting out of the kitchen, so good. And, and yeah, it's um, uh, it's just super bizarre. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um. And yet, I mean, it's so well put to say that you became clickbait because I, I think um, for me, you know, as a journalist, it was so disappointing to see your really intentional closing uh, weeks um, misread and, and misrepresented in that way uh, where you were doing something that you thought hard about and you also, you know, something else that you thought hard about was shining a light on some of the difficulties that you and other small businesses face. Uh, and so to have, I think that, um, yeah, to have that twisted and the, to have your agency stripped away like that, it was um, it was really painful to watch. So I'm, I'm really sorry that, you know, that, that you guys experienced that. No, thank you. And thank you for your, your support for, trying to shed some light on the on the real reason of our closure, which is just that after the nine years here and constant 25 years of hospitality, that I'm just feeling completely burnt out, that I just can't, I can't do the 80, 90 hours a week that it demands of being in this style of uh, size business as a, as a business owner. Um, my kids aren't getting any younger. My my nine-year-old over the, the last year or so has been asking, Daddy, why do you have to work so much? Um, I went asking to go fishing and camping and stuff like that, stuff that you just can't do when you only have one day a week together. Uh, COVID changed things a lot um, for us where we – we're lucky that being a takeaway shop, we were able to stay open throughout with a few little changes. Like we've had pretty much a trestle table across the front of the front of the door for the, the past two, two and a bit years or two years or coming up to two years. Um, except for about, I think there was about three months last year where, where things were, were better and we were able to do dining again and actually had some uh, approval for tables and chairs out, out the side. So we had uh, four trestle tables down the side, but that was only ended up being a very short and uh, window that we got to, got to do that. Seeing other friends within the industry that were all, all of a sudden home a lot more and they're like, oh, it's amazing having this, this time with the family and the kids and reconnecting. Uh, I was working so much that I was actually sleeping here five nights a week just because there was no point to go home at 10.30, 11 o'clock at night to come back at 8 in the morning um, to see them for half an hour or so before and jumping on to, to homeschooling WebExes and, and so on or when they were at school to, yeah, to help them pack their lunch boxes and stuff. So when I'd leave on a Tuesday morning, I wouldn't see them again um, until the following Sunday. So Wow, that's really rough. Yeah. Um, there was even there was when we're all trying to figure out what was happening like early on there was i think there was about a six a six week window where i'm like well i think this was march or april probably april um 2020 when we're all still trying to navigate and work out why 
what it meant and how we're going to yeah, try and live with it and stuff were like, we were able to be open, but I was having interactions with a hundred, a hundred people a day with just handing their takeaway orders. I'm like, well, what's the, there's probably no, the safer option is for me probably not to go home. Um, especially over the weekend and stuff like that. If I've had exposure to someone, so it was probably a six-week window there that even Karina and the kids would come and just get takeaway themselves and would say hello to each other across across the table with the same sort of interaction as that I'd have with, with customers. So there was a lot of challenges definitely over the last couple of years. Um, we did make it through proudly without taking a single a single dollar from any job keeper or anything like that as far as my staff at the at the beginning one was a on a student visa and one was a, on a bridging visa so there was no qualif uh, no government assistance as you know very very well with all your amazing work that you've done for the, our visa holders and stuff like that um, over the last two years and we just stayed open. We just stayed open and we kept grinding so I could, I can, could keep them, could keep them employed and keep food on their tables and keep their mortgages paid. And yeah. And then we just, we just kept going. So we never saw, we never saw the, the, the dip that uh, you needed to qualify for, for any, any um, rebates or any um, subsidies or anything like that, but it took a hell a hell of a lot more work to just keep keep it going. Yeah, yeah, it's um what a tale, Clinton. It's just so heartbreaking to think of the you know the family coming and buying well getting burgers from you across the table. It's just must have been so depleting, like emotionally for all of you. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, full credit to you for keeping those people employed and for, you know, and for bringing joy with burgers. I mean, we got them a few times for treats for like, for what, during homeschooling and it definitely made my family happy, um, to have those, you know, such beautifully cooked and thoughtful burgers and chips and shakes it was yeah it's really appreciate that you did that but can also really hear the toll that it took um so what are you guys going to do clinton what what is the plan just back on what you touched on there um just really quickly that is a very constant um and common theme that i've had in everyone's messaging and uh thanks over the over the period of us closing is we wouldn't have got down through lockdown without you as far as we very much had that local and we were that only thing or little glimpse of normality that if you've been getting burgers from us every Friday night, you could still get your burger on a Friday night. And we were the only thing that wasn't ripped out from underneath uh, people's feet as far as they had that one little bit of normality in their week that they could still look forward to week in and week out um, throughout the lockdowns and stuff like that. And they're like, it's what bonded us together. We would sit down and would have our touch up or we'd all be counting down till it was Friday to have our, to have, to sit down and have that one little bit of normality that, yeah, throughout, throughout these difficult times. Oh, I can so relate. Yeah. But yeah, um, the direction that, we're in now is been lucky um, that our sauces that we have been making since day one. Um, I've been bottling the tomato sauce for probably about seven or so years already. Um, over over the last two years, has definitely gained um, a lot more traction, uh, and. Our smoked jalapeno hot sauce as well that uh, has been a mainstay on the menu, but only on our uh, secret menu item, which was the bully burger, which was I'm a, I'm a chili fiend, so I'm eating chili probably two, three times a day. Uh, 
Our secret burger was the house-made smoked jalapeno hot sauce, jalapeno, sriracha, beef, cheese, and bacon. Um, so we've been bottling that smoked jalapeno hot sauce as well for probably about uh, six, seven years, uh, but making it from the early days and coming in the next couple of weeks, we've been doing it through the shop uh, over the last month or so is our tuck shop sauce, which I finally refined the recipe and made it um, shelf stable uh, through using a, a house-made uh, vegan mayonnaise instead of uh, an egg-based mayonnaise. So it's now um, shelf-stable and, and vegan. So you'll still be, still, still be able to get a taste, a taste of Tuck Shop um, just in a, in a different, different way, yeah. And what about Karina's side of things? What's the plan there? So Karina's side of things is the ice cream. So we've sort of brought um, some life back into the Sunday School brand. Uh, we did have uh, ice creamery a few doors down from Tuck Shop for about two years. Uh, but timing, location and stuff like that, and again, putting those extra demands on an already overworked uh owner in myself as far as I'm very, very hands-on and I, I was wanting to be in, in the ice creamery to be able to really portray the passion and everything behind the products as well, giving my full uh, Attica spiels to, to everyone on every flavour as they came in. Um, it was possibly a little bit overwhelming for some people who were just looking to come in and just have a scoop of chocolate ice cream or, and yeah. I loved it, I have to say. And yeah, extraordinary ice creams. The de- and again, the demands of Tuck Shop sort of pulled me back here. And then the thing that had to go was the ice creamery. Yeah. It just it couldn't justify um, having it staffed with a couple of staff members um, at the, at the time. So it was like, well, why am I down there when I really need to be back in Tuck Shop? So uh, we were able to get out of that, get out of that lease. And uh, a friend of ours, Zef, with his amazing bagels from the city, took on the space. Um, and yeah, he's. We now have Five and Dime in there, but as far as Karina's ice cream is going to probably be stocked. Um, there uh we are in morning market uh just the fitzroy one at this stage as is limited for space at their paran paran store and we've also just started this week we are at stan's deli as well in malvern who does a amazing little sandwich sandwich place up in malvern that um yeah cool so yeah I mean, that's, it's so great to know that those brands are going to live on and that people can still access some of the great uh, tuck shop and Sunday school flavours and just, yeah, um, careful, thoughtful uh, products. Um, I know it's only been a couple of weeks or hang on, it's only been like a week, right, since you closed, but ha- can you get a sense of what this new stage of life is going to feel like? Yes. Um, so I've been home every night this week. Um, which has been amazing, Re- sort of became reality probably uh, on Wednesday or even Thursday last night where I turned to the kids or I turned to Hendrix who'd been hassling me for years. He's like, cause we had been talking about it um, and we're very open with the kids. Um, they're very much a part of our journey um, and as much of a part of the shop, so we're very open open with them. And Hendrix had been asking for, Daddy, when are you going to become just a source delivery business? Like, when are you going to, yeah. And on Wednesday night when I was um, tucking him into bed, which I normally wouldn't see them for, for five nights, I was like, Hendrix, it's happened. I delivered, I delivered sources today and here I am, I'm home. Like, yeah. 
And that was a that was a nice moment we shared together. Oh, good and, cry! And uh, we've already, we've already put on we've we've uh, put on the calendar that we're going camping next <gasps> weekend. So Hendrix and Hendrix and I are going to go off camping um, through speaking with our amazing uh, regulars as well. Um, one of the most thoughtful gifts over the, the last few weeks was. Uh, one of our amazing customers turned up with a blue tackle box and a fishing rod with ribbon um, ribbons on them and said, this is for you and your son to go fishing. So, Oh, my God. People are so beautiful. Yeah. That, that one broke me, that's for sure. That was instant, instant tears. I mean, I know it's all super fresh, but... How would you reflect on it, Clinton? Like, obviously, there's so many rewards, but so many like poignant difficulties with running the kind of business that you did. I mean, would you, you know, are you glad you did it? Would you advise other people to give such a such a business a go? Of course, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely rewarding. It's definitely like being your own boss um, is rewarding. Um, Obviously, it is. It is a very strenuous um, on on family life and stuff like that. It's just a matter of creating creating that balance. Um, I've had so many friends that have yeah, they're like, oh, I just need to have a Monday to Friday operation that's open, closes at two thirty in the afternoon or something like that. Whether where cafe life or uh, the new craze of the sandwich shops and stuff like that, those hours definitely lend a lot better to having a life and being able to do it. It's when you're a, well, we've been blessed that we did create a five day a week operation. Um, So we were able to have those, have that family Sunday we tried to create as much balance as we as we could. Of course, there was stages over the last eight years that I've had a very solid team and I was able to go home on a Wednesday night or on a Thursday or something like that and have dinner with the family. Um, but then the strains of over the last two years and there's just there's no staff left in the in the pool um, for hospitality. Every single hospitality venue is looking for some one or five staff members at the moment, and they're just they're not there. Um, hopefully, with borders starting to reopen and some international travel and stuff coming back, hopefully we can get some backpackers and stuff through that just that that fill they fill those roles in your St Kilda and in your bars and stuff like that, that are now roles that are being taken from or pulled from other, other venues. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I would do it again. It's been amazing, um, amazing for us. It has provided for us. It definitely has had its challenges and stuff like that. Has the pay packet at the at the end of the year uh, justified the 80, 90 hours a week that it that it demands? For many of those years, possibly not. Um, and that's another stigma that uh, it's been hard to hard to take as people are going. But you're always busy. You're always selling out and stuff like that. We had that period in the first three years where we we would sell out quite often. But there's probably a five, like a five-year block there where we might sell out every now and then through, for unknown reason, everyone decided to come on the on that Wednesday or Thursday instead of coming on Friday. Um, and by all means, we're we're only a only a small team, so we're we max at the capacity of what we of what we can produce for that day. And using all all fresh products and obviously the techniques and everything that we have touched on throughout, that it's not about just pulling another bag of chips out of the freezer or 
that if we do run out of something, it is going to take until the following afternoon sometimes for it to be for it to be available again. Mm. Yeah. Wow, Clinton, it's such a big story and such a such a big part of your life. Um, I'm really excited for your family about, you know, the fishing and the camping and the tucking in in the evenings, um, but also, you know, these great businesses that you're, that you're going to build. Um, yeah, it's just I'm, I'm really, I mean, looking forward to chatting to you and um, I'm so glad to have the opportunity. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? I just like to thank every single one of our customers over the years, um, the hospitality industry, uh, We've had amazing, amazing support and that's been a, a, one of the truly gratifying things is that knowing that you've got hat, you've got hatted chefs and stuff that come to us for a burger. So that that's what has meant a lot. The, the likes of so many food writers like yourself, so many um, restaurant restaurateurs, so many – we really feel like we've been serving – a lot of the hospitality industry over over the last eight years, and that that part has sort of really kept that kept that flame going. Um, and knowing that we're serving a, a consistent and uh, reputable product that people would love and appreciate. But yeah, yeah, just the amazing the amazing support and the the amount of love that we we have received over. Over the last eight eight years is yeah, really, really, truly means a lot, and it it is really what kept me kept me going and kept me standing here for the the twelve fourteen hour days. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for um, everything that you've given. Um, yeah, just really appreciate what you've done, and uh, yeah, definitely appreciate you sharing it with us today. Thank you so much, Clinton, for coming on to Dirty Linen for a chat. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, and thank you for the support over the years. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.